And please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together today. For making us a part of this community. Where we can worship you and hear your word. Where we can live by your promise and in your grace. And God, we pray today that as we reflect upon the word that you have given us, that your spirit would lead us into all that is so very good, all that is spoken and lived and given in your holy name. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I tell you, um, these lessons that we have today, I don't remember (laughs) struggling with three lessons from Scripture for one Sunday more than I did with these three this week. Um, Because every time I picked up the... uh, the Bible, to read through these passages, another, uh, another word, another phrase, another idea just jumps off the page and grabs your attention and you say, what am, I, what am I to think about this? What are we to say about this? How can we not address this? Where do we go? And how does all of this fit together? And so whenever I'm wrestling with it, I do what you do. I talk to other people. Right? I ask, I ask, uh, phone a friend, right? We ask somebody else and we say, well, what is, what is everybody else doing with this? And so uh, as, I, as I started that process earlier in the week, uh, what I found was that everywhere I turned, uh, people were focused on the very end of the, the gospel. When Jesus says, uh, when Jesus says, Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And so that idea of what is family, how how are we together, and how do we define that, and and how does Jesus make us part of his family? How do we join in as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ? Um, My dad, uh, who does our bulletin covers for us that I... I haven't been able to use for a long time because we haven't really been distributing paper bulletins. But uh, um, I decided to make one for this week as the parking lot service and this service and just so, so you could follow along. And he, he, he had the same insight. The family of God. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. And I, I get why we like that because, quite honestly, that's the safest And most uh, pleasant part about all of these readings today, Uh, at least it ends in a good place, right? But all the way there, you're kind of like, oh my Lord, what is going on here? What are we to say about this? But at the end, we end up with God forming us as family. I got to thinking about that and uh, I, I... my entire time here at Advent, from the first day that I, I came to serve as, as pastor here for you, uh, the number one word that I have heard 
you use to describe our Advent community is the word family. Without question, that is the number one word I have heard from you to describe this community that you are a part of. It's a place where we have our family, our church family. And we understand what that means, and, the, and there's, a, there's a warmth about that. There's a love that is there that we, that, that, like being wrapped in a nice uh, blanket, that we're just comfortable, and it doesn't matter what the temperature is, it just makes you feel good to be together and to know that you're not alone. And I love that. I love that about this community. But I also understand that family as a word, comes in our world with some baggage. It comes with uh, some difficulties. While we use that word to be inclusive and to say, you belong here as part of our family, part of God's family, uh, others hear that and say, well, I don't know that I have family at all. And I certainly don't feel that I'm part of your family. And so it can, it can turn around on its head and it can get all twisted out of sorts. And we say, well, we didn't mean for it to be that way. We wanted it to invite you in, but now it has kept you out. How do we define who's in that family when we use it as our Advent family? Who do we exclude? That's part of the family of God. Certainly the family of God is bigger than our Advent family. What about the folks up the hill at Resurrection? The, the corner a little bit further at the Methodist Church? What about this way to the Baptist Church? What about, around, uh, what about all those who are at home looking for a church home and wishing they had a church family? Wanting to hear the word of God that claims them as brothers and sisters in Christ, but knowing they have not experienced any place that has welcomed them. What about all of those who look in their home and say, well, it's just me here. Do I have family? What about those who look at their family and say, my family doesn't look like yours. I only have one parent, or I have four parents, or I have two parents that are the same gender. How are we to understand who's in our family? And where do we draw those lines? This is where this question that starts off so beautiful, so lovely, and where we can, we can settle on this uh, phrase from Jesus at the end of all of this complicated talk about uh, sin and blame and guilt and shame and punishment and uh, turning away from God's word and turning towards our own desires. All of this stuff that has come before about naming what God is doing and saying that's not what we want. And that's not the way we would do it. And so calling the good that God is working at evil and twisting all of this 
We can avoid all of that and jump to the end and say, well, Jesus says it right there. Whoever does the will of God is my mother and my brother and my sister. Isn't that enough? We're all family. But then we start to define it and we go, well, I don't don't know. It starts to not feel so straight and clear and simple. Starts to get twisted up. Entangled and complicated and messy. But there's good news. Because while we do twist and tangle and make it messy, we know the one. We know the one who can untangle us. We know the one who does untangle us with the word of grace and forgiveness. In this gospel today, it starts, we just drop right into the middle of this. I mean, I added, uh, I added the beginning of the sentence, Jesus went home. Um, because the, the lectionary actually started with, and the crowd gath- came together again. That's, that's where the reading started. Well, uh, never start a reading with and. Um, but <laughs> that should be a clue. Um, but what Jesus has been doing is, is teaching and healing and casting out demons. And the crowds are pouring in. He's literally untangling folks who have twisted joints and bodies and hearts and minds with mental and physical and emotional ailments that have cut them off and separated them from the life that they long to live with one another and feel isolated from. It's a carryover of the very same thing that is, that is chronicled in our Genesis reading, this familiar story that, again, we just plop right into the middle of this story, right? Um, we know, hopefully, you, you are aware of what came before as God had fashioned this amazing garden and placed Adam in the middle of it. Adam, the word Adam means Man, human, mankind. And he placed mankind in the garden and surrounded him with everything that he needed, including making for him a suitable partner, one that was of himself, one that was made for him, made for mankind. But Eve's name is not woman, it's Life, And so the life of mankind is met by the abundance and the grace and the mercy and the provision of God to provide all that is needed for you, for us, for all of us. And God says, I have given you all that you need. But what does he say? He says, but... Don't reach for the, tree, for the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Leave that to me. It's off limits for you. When you reach it, you will die. You'll, you'll start to, to twist. And so we know what happens, right? And what we see in our lesson today is the evidence of that twist. The evidence of what happens when we reach and we try to define what is good and evil. When we try to say, well, that looks pretty good. It's exactly the words in the scripture, by the way. When they saw that it, was, that it looked desirable and good for eating, they took, they took it and ate. And I'm using they, and you're saying, well, it was Eve, right? Because in our twistedness, the church itself has said at times, this is about Eve, this is about women. This isn't about women and men. It's about mankind and the life and the twistedness that we have placed on calling what God has made good and what God has said is evil and reversing it. And whenever we do that, we get twisted up. And we need God to forgive, to unbind us, and to set us free. And it's that that brings me to the next crazy bombshell in our lessons today, right? As I read that in the gospel today, and I read the words, truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins, and whatever blasphemies they utter. That is an amazing statement, right? But I bet you forgot it as soon as I said, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness. As soon as I went on with that statement, you're like, well, now I forgot all about the fact that he said, you can be forgiven for your sins and whatever blasphemies you utter. What Jesus is saying is, you want to say nasty, bad things about me? Go ahead. But don't call what God is doing evil. Don't say that the Spirit of God is evil. Because that's exactly what they had done. He said, Jesus does this not by his power, but by an a evil power. That's how he's able to cast out the demons. And Jesus says, that's not how it works. Evil doesn't work against evil. The house can't stand. Over the years, this statement has cast fear into the hearts of so many believers. So many, as I started in youth ministry, um, I had many conversations with youth over the years um, because this comes up. Two out of every three years, we have this verse in the lectionary. And so um, when it comes up, you hear it and you say, and, and immediately we get afraid, right? We get afraid. Can I do something that God will not forgive me for? That's the fear, isn't it? And so for, for my entire career in ministry, the answer that I, that I was taught, the word that I was taught and the word that has 
provided so much comfort to me and to so many others, I say to you today, as soon as you ask that question, you no longer need to be afraid. Because here's what happens. What Jesus is saying here is that forgiveness is yours in abundance through the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive and at work in His ministry and in the life of the church that we celebrate together in this season of Pentecost, the season of the Spirit. We proclaim that the Spirit has been poured into your hearts, that you can proclaim God's work of grace and forgiveness, and that there is all manner of misgivings that you can be forgiven of. And you say, well then, why even bother with this one thing? Because as soon as we say that God's work through the Holy Spirit does not bring good, we stop listening and we stop seeking the source of our forgiveness. It's not that God isn't willing to forgive, it's that we no longer want it. If you believe and, and, and make up your mind and say, there is nothing for me to find that is good in the Holy Spirit, then you're not going to the Holy Spirit and you won't get forgiven because you have no need of it and you will not receive it. So as soon as you say, is there anything that I could do that God wouldn't forgive me for? You already know that God is the source of your forgiveness. And so I simply say, no. God will always forgive. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep letting him untwist you. Keep letting him open you up to the reality that this family that he has made you part of isn't about how well you've done. It isn't about us saying, well, I do it my way and you can't be part of God's family if you don't do it my way with me. <laughs> no, God has said, let's, whoever does the will of God, does, doesn't say whoever does the will of God like you do the will of God. <laughs> Whoever does the will of God is my mother and my brother and my sister. We are in this together by God's command, by God's word that has fashioned the entire world, that has put in us everything that is good and that calls us today to trust in the goodness of God, even in the presence of our own brokenness, our own twistedness, our own misgivings, our own sinfulness. God is good beyond all of it. And grace abounds in his name. You know the name. You know the source. And knowing it, you can share it. So that the world may know that God is good. And in him, we have all that we need. When those punishments are handed out in the garden, it isn't to destroy them. It's to make sure that we continue to seek God. Because 
to not need God in our life is to reach for the tree of good and evil for ourselves. As soon as I decide what is right, what is not, as soon as I think I have the answers, I stop listening. May we never be a people who stops listening to the voice of God that comes in the scriptures through the church, not, the, not just congregation, but the church, the capital C church, that unites us, not as little families, but as brothers and sisters in Christ claimed by the promise who says, you are forgiven, you are loved, you are whole, and God is so very good. Amen. Let us sing together our hymn of the day, For the Lord is Good.